Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bharati Jagdish on Prime Time. Now, lots of summits taking place this month, and the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation or APEC Economic Leaders Week will run from the 14th to the 19th. While the APEC Economic Leaders Meeting taking place from the 18th to the 19th of November in Bangkok. Now, trying to host a multilateral summit in such a disunited and chaotic international environment would be difficult for any government. From the doldrums brought on by COVID-19, APEC poises itself this year to not only revitalize its economies, but to emerge stronger and be better equipped to achieve long-term prosperity. Thailand in the host role will be able Able to showcase its capabilities as one of the founding members of the forum. But of course, there are many challenges, as we mentioned earlier. To talk more about what to look out for, we're being joined now by Sayatan Hansakul, analyst from the Economist Intelligence Unit. Hi, Sayatan. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Sayatan, with the world more divided than ever, to what extent will Thailand really be able to successfully balance world powers at the upcoming APEC summit? Well, I think Thailand will certainly try to do that given the existing intertwined economic, political and security interests that the country has with both the U.S. and China. Uh, Thailand has stated that they will remain neutral and they will seek good relations with all major world powers. The U.S. and Thailand are actually treaty allies since the 1960s and they've had long existing military cooperation. Both the U.S. and China are also Thailand's top trading partners. The U.S. has large investments in Thailand, and China has increasingly become more important as the source of foreign direct investments, or FDI, in recent years. China is the biggest source market for tourism for Thailand, or I should say was, because this was during the pre-COVID years. And these factors will incentivize Thailand to maintain good relations with both world powers. Now, about Russia, Thailand-Russia relations are good and cordial, but they are not as close or as important to Thailand as the relations that Thailand has with China and the U.S. But nevertheless, Russia is among the large source market for tourism for Thailand. And it's also a key exporter of oil and gas, as well as other commodities and fertilizer that Thailand depends on. The thing is, Sayatan, APEC is the last of three major summits taking place in Southeast Asia this month. And it's coming amid fragile geopolitical relations, spiraling inflation. A trade minister's meeting in May actually failed to issue a customary joint statement after five member economies staged a walkout in protest against the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Also, no joint statement, I notice, was issued at an APEC finance minister's meeting last month, also reportedly due to rifts among members over the Russia-Ukraine conflict and how all of that has affected the global economy. The chances of having a joint leader's statement at this meeting, are they slim, as some analysts say? What do you think? I think they are slim. We have to be realistic Given the current global backdrop, which you mentioned, we see the um, increasing um, acts by the different countries to contain the the other side. Um, For example, the U.S. has introduced uh, technology export controls aimed at China. 
and they are looking to you know, broaden the scope of existing U.S. investment restrictions um, targeting companies linked to the Chinese military. And, you know, there are many various um, incidents of um, competition and, and acts to, to try to contain the other side. So we think that these uh, security concerns and strategic competition is going to stay as the features of the Asia's trade landscape um, for, for many more years to come, unfortunately. <laughs> Of course, some analysts have pointed out that there are many other trade agreements among ASEAN members and there are many regional economic pacts. So, in fact, the role of APEC has been diminished. It's just one of many options and it's actually no big deal that its role has been diminished. Where do you stand on this, though? I think that APEC has a role to play. It's different. Um, It has quite a fair bit of uh, private sector participation in, in the forum. And I think that's useful. And although we think that a new initiative may not be forthcoming at, or a joint statement is unlikely at this summit or, or these meetings, but we think that the spirit of cooperation to seek practical solution to some issues will still be forthcoming. We noted that there are initiatives to coordinate on the initiative on vaccine certificate recognition across member countries. And these kind of measures can still be pushed forward. And I'm quite confident that uh, that will still happen at the meetings. I think the members have agreed to adopt measures to revive safe and seamless connectivity and, you know, uh, such as setting up the APEC information portal, harmonizing vaccination certificates, like I mentioned, and expanding Mm. the eligibility of the APEC business travel card to include, like, the smaller enterprises. So these are the practical, business-friendly Um, measures that probably can still be pushed forward and and help the member countries to continue to connect and and do business with one another. Mm. We we don't expect any big grand plan, new initiative, you know, as in the past, um, because that, that spirit is now being unfortunately hijacked by the strategic competition between the global powers. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about that strategic competition. Of course, you touched on it briefly earlier, but Mr. Joe Biden's absence at the Bangkok summit, a lot of analysts are saying, will give Chinese President Xi Jinping the stage and the freedom to grandstand when it comes to Beijing's trade-promoting Belt and Road Initiative. To what extent do you think that the Biden no-show will actually hand China a win at this summit? We do not see it as President's absence will be linked directly to presidency's win mm. um, on in promoting the Belt and Road Initiative. In fact, China is well aware that um, a few countries have uh, have not portrayed the Belt and Road Initiative um, positively and linked it to the accumulation of debt among emerging markets, which pushed them into troubles, which is debatable. But uh, China instead has uh, started promoting a new initiative, which is called the Global Development Initiative, GDI, which is uh, the initiative that emphasizes more on the development objectives of the partner countries. So I think China is also well aware of the need to, to, to engage with other countries to portray their uh, good intention and to be uh, mindful of the pitfalls. 
So they will try to do that at the APEC meetings. But this doesn't mean that um, President Biden's absence will give the floor to presidency to to, to dominate. Mm. I think it will still be a multilateral platform. Of course, many analysts have pointed out that the Southeast Asian region has traditionally had a very good relationship with China. And of course, many are also balancing that with a good relationship with the U.S. But as the U.S. reaches out to Southeast Asian countries like Thailand, to what extent do you think they'll actually be able to reshape alliances here vis-a-vis China? Um, I think Thailand welcomes um, increasing cooperation from the U.S., but the country will not be prepared to do so at the expense of downgrading the ties with China. So it's, it's a, a balancing act that uh, countries in Southeast Asia, Thailand included, has to do. I see Thailand being keen to pursue good relations with both countries. Um, the country actually has been encouraging China and the U.S. to in, increase their investment in their flagship program, the Eastern Economic Seaboard, the Eastern Economic Corridor. And Thailand is actually part of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP, which China belongs to. But they also sign up to be part of the U.S.-led um, Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. So you can see that these engagements meant to uh, stay on good terms with both powers and to engage in on both platforms, not to be left out. And we even think that Thailand will probably, after the next election, formally apply to join the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific mm-hmm. Partnership, or the CPTPP for mm-hmm. short. Right. So, because this is because external demand is an important driver for Thailand's economic growth. So being part of these networks is actually essential. You know, it will bring benefits, uh, advantages and privileges, and it will support the country's medium-term outlook. Okay, let's talk about the backdrop against which this summit is taking place in Thailand. Uh, There is a lot of movement in the political landscape right now. While Prime Minister Prayut Chan-o-Sha has not declared when the next election will be, clearly there are a lot of rumblings. What's your perspective on what's happening at this point in regard to Mr. Prayut? I mean, of course, his unexpected suspension constituted a serious setback and the September 30th constitutional court ruling has allowed him to stand for re-election and serve what remains of his eight-year premiership. But really, is there a political future here? Well, if there is a political future, it, it will be short for him as prime minister because mm. there, there, there is a clear limit now that if he were to stand for election and if he were to be elected, he can only serve as prime minister until 2025. And that will be only two years after the general election. And that obviously is not ideal. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of question in in Thailand and among people who are interested in the um, political outlook for the country. Will he or won't he? So, yeah, there's two school of thoughts. Uh, One is that if he decides to run again um, and assuming he's successful, his, his term will end in 2025 after two years then he will have to pass on the premiership to another person. So this person could be flagged after he is elected, meaning that whichever party that will nominate him will, will, will sell him as the key figure, and then he will find the successor after he's elected. 
But that, that increases uncertainty. Or another school of thought thinks that he could endorse someone from his camp to take over from the outset and present that person as his heir designate for the upcoming election in 2023. But so far, he hasn't done that. So this is actually a bit less likely. So there's no clear sign who that person would be either. Saitan, very quickly, let's talk about the possible comeback of the Shinawat family. Um, Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Taksin Shinawat's daughter has been tipped as the top choice for Prime Minister in central Thailand. Yes, I think that is according to the recent poll and uh, a a few recent polls have indicated similar results. And I think that reflects um, the general desire of the electorate to see a change. Um, One is to see a younger generation stepping up to the leadership role. And two, uh, it's a desire for a change from the status quo. And all this points to an edge for the opposition to perform well in the next general election. Right. Certainly, we will be watching developments very closely. Many thanks for that, Sayatan. Sayatan Hansakul, analyst from the Economist Intelligence Unit. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.